0: Moncrief on News Talk. Now, because we are an island, the seas around us are full of shipwrecks, but there isn't that many of them that contained treasure. The recovery was a British merchant ship that sank off the coast of Wexford 230 years ago. Edmund O'Brien and his crew have been searching for it for the last three decades. Edmund, good afternoon.
1: Sean, how are you? Not too bad.
0: Uh, Could you tell us something about the recovery? What were the circumstances in which it sank? Uh,
1: The recovery was coming from Italy. Uh, She sailed into London and from London she went in company with about 10 or 11 other vessels to Dublin. And uh, during that voyage, a storm southeasterly gale blew up and um, all the vessels made their destinations except for the recovery and she was lost somewhere off the south coast. So I saw the few lines in the um, Daily um, London Register and decided that it would be worth looking for, especially when it mentioned the fact that there were um, valuable articles on board belonging to um, James Caulfield, First Earl of Charamont, and David Latouche, one of the wealthiest men in Ireland at the time. Now, Charlemont's cargo was carrying was mainly busts, statues, and vases designed for the new custom house that was almost finished in the year of 1787. Now, we don't really know what they were exactly, uh, because as far as we know, no manifest exists. But um, as for Latouche, the newspaper said that all he had was curiosities of um, art and nature collected at great expense on the continent of europe. we don 't know what they were either mm. so by being on a on your program, somebody out there might know of um, some very old uh, documentation that might relate to what they were actually carrying over, just to help us fill in the blanks,
0: yeah. When you, uh, when you uh, Edmund, when you first started searching for it, I, I assume you had a rough idea where it may have gone down. And, and yep. was that a particularly hospitable part uh, of That's the sea right. in terms of swimming?
1: A very, very inhospitable. Um, nobody actually swims along that shore. Um, it shelves very steeply and very few people even fish there. So it's an unknown area, and usually when you're searching for wrecks, you're relying on on fishermen to um, tell you that they may have caught something in a certain area, and then you would go down and investigate that. Now, the area we were searching in um, was just square miles of flat sand like a submerged Sahara desert. So our only hope was to send divers down, and they might come across some clues. So... GPS didn't exist then, so it was very hard to know where you were um, at any one time. Uh, Then um, we used a magnetometer, which uh, helped us to um, map the area. And the magnetometer will, um, the magnetometer combined with GPS coordinates. When a signal is sent out every two seconds, that signal comes back into a computer. And then at the end of the day, it will draw you a magnetic map of the area. And where the lines converge or expand, that's an indication that there might be something uh, close by, which you've got to pass directly over that area several times. And if that, that pattern repeats itself, then you, you're possibly on to something.
0: Hmm. Now, how far down uh, are, w- w- would your team be diving and how long can they stay down there for?
1: Well, between 15 and 17 metres, sometimes 20 metres, at that depth you have about an hour, provided you're not working too hard. Um, So, you know, between weather and tides, you don't get that many opportunities to search an area. You might only be out there once a month in Irish weather conditions. Mm.
0: Mm. Now, uh, at the start... Did you, and now I assume at the start you thought, well, maybe we'll have this wrapped up in a few months, but di- 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 exactly. it, uh, did you build your own uh, uh, boat at some point uh, to conduct these yes, searches? Yes, we
1: decided the only way to search for this properly was to build our own boat. and we, we, Again, we thought this would take um, a, a few months, but it took two and a half years to do so. And um, Anyway, we needed something about 40 feet long that would be comfortable enough and big enough to carry... Uh, divers, the equipment, survey equipment, uh, comfortably. So you could stay out for long periods to search. You couldn't Mm -hmm. do it. It was impossible to do that from the shore. So the only place you could, um, the only base you could go out from along that shore was Kilmore Quay.
0: And And uh, there must have been a few occasions then where you uh, uh, you and the rest of your group thought, "Ah, we'll just give this up.
1: uh, Quite a few, quite a few occasions. (laughs) It's a bit like, um, uh, I felt a bit like, um, uh, Fletcher Christian on Mutiny on the Bounty, that one of these days they were going to poison me or set me adrift. <laughs> um, but fair juice to them all, they, 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 um, stuck with me, and, uh, we eventually uh, found it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. and wh- wh- was it through the use of a drone that helped you find it?
1: Yes, we tried side-scan sonars, expecting to see timber sticking up out of the sand. That never happened, didn't see anything. We, we were pretty sure whatever was there was totally buried. So um, in 21, August 21, um, my, my partner on the boat, Rory O'Brien, um, he managed to uh, get a drone underwater drone, and uh, we started searching with that. Uh, we were searching an area that we had dived many times before, and I knew there was a, a, a quite an, a big anomaly there, but it could have been, um, it was buried, but it could have been uh, a rock with a heavy, um, high concentration of iron content in it that was giving that signal. So you could be wasting a lot of time there. But fortunately, um, the previous winter, um, a very powerful storm had moved sand banks in certain places. Even the fishermen told us that um, they could see gravel beds on their sonars that they hadn't seen before. So where we set the drone down, a little bit of sand must, must have shifted. And the first thing it saw was um, this timber protruding from a sand bank. Mm-hmm. And I did think it could be, you know, just um, some some or jetsam, uh, then I noticed that there was a, a round uh, timber hole in the um, plank. And we could see quite clearly when the drone went up to it that um, there was uh, copper plating attached to this as well. Now, what wasn't mentioned in the, in the paper or was omitted in the people paper was that in 1787, there were about 9,100 ships in the British merchant fleet but only 250 of those had their hulls entirely coated with copper sheeting. Mm. The reason for that was doing the same job as modern anti-fouling. It was an expensive process, so the copper sheeting would cover from the keel to just above the water line, and this would prevent the infestation of teredo, the torpedo worm, and all kinds of growth that would attach itself to the bottom of the vessel and slow it down considerably. And this was very, very effective in doing that. So when we saw the copper sheeting on the timber, we were certain that we, 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 we had the ship.
0: Right. Now, y- y- you know where the ship is, but unfortunately it seems to be submerged in sand. Is there any way is, is there any way of getting a, at that?
1: Uh, it is. It's a good thing that it is, because anything there is protected. Mm. Sorry, protected. So um, moving sand um, with ar- with um, archaeologists, it isn't a big problem to do that underwater. But for us to do that, we would need to have um, archaeologists on site to super- supervise the operation. Okay. So moving sand is not a big problem underwater.
0: Right. Now, but at the same time... If the things down there might be valuable, is, is it, I don't know what the legal situation is, but could anybody with a few bob now kind of swoop in there if they were able to discover where it was and do that work themselves um, and take the contents?
1: Yeah, they'd have to move pretty quickly. But um, it's illegal to, do, to, to um, dive in that area. We're the only ones that are allowed to dive and just monitor the site. We're not allowed to disturb the seabed. That license was given to us by um, Connie Kelleher and Carl Brady, the uh, head of the um, Underwater Archaeology Unit. But um, it is possible that somebody could swoop down there, but um, I think they would have a hard time uh, finding the spot, and it would take quite a while to excavate uh, the the area. Yeah, indeed. Uh,
0: incredible story, Edmund. Thanks very much for speaking with us today. That was Edmund O'Brien there, uh, a member of uh, uh, the Lifeboard crew in Kilmore Quay. Moncrief. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.